So Jesus Christ came and was crucified. Before he was crucified, he was in the garden. And in that garden, the book of Luke tells us that he was struggled so much that his sweat became like drops of blood falling on the ground. This is an actual physical thing that can happen to people when stress comes to the point in their bodies where all the capillaries below the skin burst. And they have about a three days lifespan after that because they're losing so much blood. So this is, the, this is the picture that Luke gives us of what Jesus went through in the garden even before he got to the cross. So he was already suffering. So we know the suffering, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. And this story comes on the day of his resurrection. That same day, two disciples were traveling to Emmaus, a village about seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were discussing the things that had occurred in Jerusalem. And Jesus came and walked along with them as they were discussing and sharing together. And Jesus, but their eyes were kept from recognizing Jesus. And Jesus said to them, what things are you discussing as you walk along? And the two disciples stopped, their faces downcast. Then one of them, Cleopas, said to Jesus, Are you a stranger in Jerusalem and don't know about the things that have happened these past days? And Jesus said, What things? And Cleopas answered, About Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, mighty in word and deed before God and all the people. And then our chief priests and rulers turned him over to death and he was crucified. Not only that, but it's three days since those things took place. In addition, our women came back from the tomb this morning. They said they could not find his body, but they told him a vision of angels, saying that he had risen from the dead. Some of our own company went and found the tomb just as the woman had said, but Jesus they did not see. And Jesus said to them, How foolish you are, and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them everything in the word regarding himself. When they neared the village where they were headed, Jesus acted like he was going to go on. And the two disciples urged him strongly, stay with us. It's nearly evening. The night is, the day is almost spent. So Jesus came in to stay with them. When he sat at table, he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them. And in that moment, their eyes were opened, and they recognized it was Jesus, and they disappeared from their sight. Then they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us as he opened up the scriptures to us along the way? And at that very moment, they got up from the table and returned to Jerusalem. When they reached the eleven, they were told by the eleven, Jesus is alive, he's appeared to Peter. And the two disciples told of their experience of Jesus walking with them on the road and being recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. That's our exceedingly long passage of scripture, but it's a great story. You don't want to break it up. So I'm going to tell it again and ask you to join me. And instead of asking somebody to try to retell it, I figure I'd have pity on you this morning. Um, just this once, though. Don't, don't get any hopes up. <laughs> So, uh, two disciples on the, that same day, the same day of the resurrection, um, they, they headed to a village that was about how far away? Do you remember from Jerusalem? Yeah, seven miles. 
And as they're walking along, they're discussing something. What are they talking about? What? All the stuff that happened? Yeah, all the things that have been happening in Jerusalem with Jesus. And who comes alongside them? A stranger. They don't recognize him. And who is it actually? Jesus. Because their eyes, what does it say about their eyes? Are, yeah, kept from recognizing him, right? And Jesus asked them, what are these things you're talking about as you walk along? And, and these two disciples stop, it says, remember? And their faces are, yeah, sad, downcast. And one of them, Cleopas, said, are you the... Seven miles away, Emmaus, 
And as they walked along, they shared about the things, they discussed the things that had been happening. And, and Jesus came and walked along with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him and asked him what they're discussing. And one of them, they stopped, faces downcast. Imagine how much emotion they felt then. And one of them, Cleopas said, are you the stranger in Jerusalem so you don't know about the things that have happened these days? And Jesus says, what things? Let's just stay right there for a moment. So you have that beginning of the story. What kind of emotions, what kinds of emotions might these two disciples have been experiencing as they've been following Jesus for whatever length of time? Isn't it interesting? We have two disciples here that we don't think of as disciples because they're not numbered in the apostles, right? These are two of the many people that were following Jesus at that point in time. What kind of emotions might we imagine they were experiencing having followed Jesus and seen him crucified and dead and then had all this weird news happen that morning and leaving? What kinds of stuff might they be dealing with? They might have been crying as they were walking away. They might have been crying as they were I love that. Thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. They might have been crying as they walked along. What kind of emotion might be behind those tears? Yeah, just grief, right? Grief and sadness, yeah. Other kinds of emotions you imagine, thank you, Perry. Poignant, yeah, yeah. Deep, deep, significant, right? How might, there, how might they have been walking? Like, when you're feeling that way, do you walk with a happy step? No, no, right? It's kind of like, right? Just kind of a sad step, perhaps. Poignant, deep, significant emotion. Anything else coming on your heart that you wanted to share with them? It could have been frustrating. Okay. Because if they were the disciples who expected Jesus to be the um, military right. leader. Right. Right. Yeah. Could have been frustrated. Yeah. That it didn't turn out like they hoped. And you hear that later on in the story. But we had hoped that he was the one that was going to redeem Israel. Right. You hear that frustration in that too. And huge disappointment, right? So as we look at those emotions they might have had, what might have what might be the cause of them not being able to see Jesus when he came alongside them? What might have kept them from recognizing Jesus? Right, Perry already alluded to the possibility they could have been crying and not seeing him because of tears. What else might have blocked their ability to see who Jesus was when he kept up? Could be lack of faith, okay? Lack of faith in what way, do you think? Well, they just believed that it had happened, and that God or Jesus had told them what was going to happen, and they didn't... Not believing that he was going to resurrect. And if you don't believe he's going to be alive, you're believing he's dead, so therefore that can't be him, right? Yeah. So it's lack of faith from the dynamic of where we, what we believe in the moment, yeah. Okay, what else might be going on? Anything else come to mind for them? Really? They were looking for a physical takeover as opposed to this passing love. This love thing, yeah. Yeah. A physical takeover, yeah. And so here they are struggling. They, they, there were so many things going on inside their hearts at that point in time. And do you learn anything about Jesus? That he doesn't like say, hey, it's me, guys. And he asks two questions. What we learn about Jesus that he asks questions of him? 
Anything come to mind? He asked him, no, he didn't, right? He just came alongside them and started walking with them. He didn't ask if he walked with them, but he did ask, what things are you discussing as you're walking along? And then they said, don't you know, are you a stranger? You don't know about these things? And Jesus said, what things? Now, clearly, he knew about those things, right? So what we learn about Jesus, that he lets the disciples describe what's going on inside of them, rather than him knowing it and just letting them know he already knows what's going on. He wants them to express it. And what, what, might, what, that, what might that produce for them to express what's going on in the inside? Anytime you express your feelings or your thoughts, you clarify it. Okay. And become, uh, they become stronger, become more. So Norm says anytime you, you express your thoughts or feelings, you clarify them. Have you guys noticed that? Our thoughts, thoughts and feelings are really muddled when they're on the inside. And if we get them on the outside of us, they become more objective. We can actually look at them and deal with them and face them. Oh, that's what I'm thinking. But it's amazing when they're still stuck inside. So it's like, okay, what else have we learned about Jesus? That he asked them the question. Let it, and just so you know, I want you to know, there are no wrong answers. I'm not asking because I'm trying to get some answer out of you that I haven't heard yet. So if you're sitting there thinking, you know, I'm not going to say anything because I know he's looking for it. No, it's not the case. I just want to hear your thoughts on this passage of Scripture. So as we are, as we're looking at this together, as we're walking with these disciples, and they experience Jesus in a stranger, like, but it's Jesus, but they experience him as a stranger, like they don't see that Jesus is there, right, at this point in time. What an amazing picture that is of their lives and of life in general, right? That sometimes... Could it be that sometimes in life we'll encounter someone that's Jesus in some disguise? Like Mother Teresa said, Jesus in his dis distressing disguise that she ministered to on the streets of Calcutta, um, finding the people that were dead, or dying, almost dying, and taking them to the home of the, um, of the dying to care for them and show them love before they left. And that picture of seeing Jesus in his distressing disguise, seeing Jesus disguised among us, was the picture that you get from um, that Mother Teresa. Interesting that this, this story kind of pictures that idea. Now these disciples were on their own journey. They were incredibly experiencing such a deep grief, disappointment, sadness, um, uh, frustration at the, the loss of all the things that had happened. And can we learn something else about these disciples? That they didn't believe anything that had happened that morning in Jerusalem. What can we learn about them? They, they dismissed it all. Even, did you hear the language they used? Some of our own went to the tomb. Like, the women weren't, like, of their company, exactly. And, you know, a woman's opinion was not trusted in the court system in that era. And so, it, there wasn't a trustworthy testimony from a woman's mouth, don't hold that against me. But it, but it wasn't that wasn't the that wasn't the Christian position, that was the, the societal position, right? And so they didn't trust what the woman said. They dismissed it. They had a vision of angels and said Jesus was alive. And some of our own went and checked the tomb out and they found it exactly as the woman had said. But they don't assume maybe what the women experienced was true. Notice the two disciples left Jerusalem to go home. So interesting, right? What? I mean, that's such a sense of sadness and disappointment. It made me wonder, Perry, I was wondering with you, if, if just the 
feelings that they were experiencing kept them from recognizing who Jesus was. Like, because our eyes are blinded by our emotions, right? We cannot. It says their eyes were kept from recognizing him, but it doesn't say that God blinded their eyes. It just said they, they just couldn't. We don't expect, yeah, we don't know. Yeah. And the whole story unpacks in such a beautiful way where Jesus unpacks scripture. They encounter him in such a powerful way when he breaks the bread. And then you have the end of the story where they, where they return. But you have this amazing picture of kind of ordinary life. I mean, don't we experience feelings and emotions in ordinary life? Don't we have days where we're down and days where we're more up? Don't we have days where we're under the low-lying dark cloud and we wish we weren't? And days when the cloud breaks and the sunlight breaks through, we have those emotions in those days. On those days, this story says sometimes we're going to encounter opportunities of experiencing Jesus and we won't recognize that it's Jesus. Have you ever had the experience where you're having kind of a whatever the day is like, a low day, it's a hard day, and, and Jesus intersects you with other people's lives that kind of speak into your life in a way you didn't expect? Ever happened? I mean, I just had one on Monday. I don't want Easter Monday. I didn't even preach on Easter Sunday and stuff, but Easter Monday, man, that was a low day for me. It was like any, any onslaught that could be released got released on me on Easter Monday. And I was just under this low bind. I was under a dark cloud, man. I couldn't see clear. Tears were bringing my eyes. I lost my joy. And joy is such a, it's such a testimony that I'm in touch with Jesus when I feel joy. If I don't feel it, it's like, mm, something's off. But it was just, it was hard. And, and the Lord just kept encountering me with people's lives that I didn't expect to speak into my life. And I reached out to a few people. I reached out to a good friend in Virginia, and he spoke into my life, and that was amazing. He actually reminded me of something Jesus had said to me three years before about the season of my life. He said, maybe today's for this. And he saved it for three years in, in my, I guess, in the note section of my name, in his, you know, in his phone. And so he sent me the text of what Jesus had said to me three years before. And it's just a reminder, right? Look. Okay, right, right. Thank you. So Jesus showed up in him. I had a client who came in with an Easter basket that was this big. I mean, I've never seen an Easter basket that big, right? And who gets Easter baskets when they're 64 years old? I've never had one. I don't think I've ever had one in my life. And this client brought me this Easter basket, which is huge. And it was filled with so many things, like so many things I could not eat, but and so many things that were just like hilarious and beautiful, like uh, a bunny nose popper. You can shoot its nose out 20 feet. It's a Nerf ball in the nose, right? You know, I was just like, I, I saved that, but I'm not giving that to anybody else. I'm going to use it with my grandchildren. But I mean, just like, but it was so hilarious. I, I received that. I couldn't stop laughing. It's like, oh my gosh, God, what are you doing? God just did get coming in. And until it broke off. But God shows up in surprising ways. But sometimes we don't know that he's there. Or we can be so involved in our own stuff that we miss the opportunities that God gives us. Because the flip side of this coin of seeing Jesus in a stranger is being the stranger in whom Jesus is seen. Right? That's the flip side of that coin. And how often, like in my own broken experiences of what it means to share Jesus and be a witness for Jesus? Have I been so involved in my own feelings about not being able to do it good enough? Afraid that I'll mess it up? 
I'm not comfortable in my own skin enough to just be present to somebody else. And I have literally, 30 years back-ish, I have literally stood in, in lines waiting to check out at the grocery store, concerned that I'm not having conversations with the people before or behind me who were probably happy that I wasn't talking to them. But anyway, I was concerned in my own self. I was so concerned that I, I didn't know what to say and didn't know how to open up the conversation. i break out in cold sweats. I, I just, I would, I'd be shaking on the inside. And you know, when you're that concerned about what you're going to say, whatever you say is not going to come out very well anyway. It's not like it's going to be a welcomed moment at that point in time. Because you have to be present before you can actually be a present to somebody else. And so I, I, I was so concerned. I was so tied up in knots on the inside that I couldn't even let the witness, the joy, the life of Jesus show through. Thankfully, Jesus has dealt with a lot of that so I can be more relaxed. But I think the invitation for us is to remember that we have a precious gift inside of us of the beauty of Jesus and the fullness of Jesus that he wants to shine through us. And we just need to be available. We don't have to put on any packaging. We don't have to be really powerful witnesses. Actually, Jesus didn't say, you will do witnessing. He said, you'll be my witnesses, right? Be my witnesses. You're gonna, who you are is going to bring the witness of Jesus into people's lives. You will be the stranger in whom Jesus is made visible. And that's the thing that's just like blows you away, right? Because sometimes we don't believe that can be possible for us. Like how could I show something forth of Jesus? And yet Jesus has a surprising way of doing that. As I walked in this morning, Mike Davis hands me this thing that he wrote after he went on the walk to Emmaus. The walk to Emmaus is a 72-hour short course in Christianity retreat that is the coolest event. If you've never been on the walk to Emmaus, it's an amazing experience and of, of being immersed in how much God loves you for a weekend. And it, it has, there's 15 short talks that are during the weekend, and, but mostly it's the experience of community around you. So Mike said he got out of that three-day experience and he wanted to write down what he, what he experienced. This was years and years ago you wrote this. You didn't date it, but I think it's like... 30. It's what? How many? 30. 30. I thought you said 30. First I thought you said three. And I thought, no way, no way, three. Come on. 30 years ago. So this is 30 years ago. Wow, this is when you were really young. Like just a, just a kid, right? Just a kid, right? 50 pounds lighter and just a kid. Okay. So... Um, so he um, wrote this out because he was concerned he wouldn't be able to remember it. Isn't that the truth for us, right? When we, if we don't write something down, we're not going to remember the exact experience. And even if we write it down, we're gonna, it won't be exact. But I just want to share this with you because it's such a beautiful picture of finding Jesus arrive in a stranger. Several weeks ago, I went for a walk. It wasn't your usual walk as this one took three days. And the walking was done in my mind. The road that I walked was the road to Emmaus. It was on this walk that I met Jesus. That's right. I met Jesus face to face. At first, I didn't recognize him as he didn't look anything like I had expected. In my mind, I had a vision of Jesus sliding down to earth on a sunbeam, his snow-white robe billowing in the morning breeze. He would be wearing sandals on his feet, and the angels would be singing, trumpets blowing, and he would have a halo above his head. You can imagine my surprise when Jesus appeared to me wearing blue jeans and tennis shoes. He didn't look at all like what, I, what Jesus was supposed to look like either. He had a beard. 
but he was also bald on top, and there was certainly no halo. Oh, and he said his name was Mel, but I recognized him anyway. But imagine my surprise when I saw Jesus again. This time he was wearing thick glasses and the beard was gone and the robe was there, but it was black instead of white. And under the hem were Nikes. This time he said his name was Rand, but I saw through that disguise too. Another time Jesus became tall and dignified with a neatly trimmed white beard and wore a suit and tie. Another time he wore a sport coat and had dark hair and olive skin. Then another time he had a hat with musical notes all over it and a guitar around his neck. I came to realize that Jesus has been here all the time. I just haven't been looking for the right things. I know now that anyone who could walk on water, make the lame walk, the blind see, heal the leper, raise the dead, and even raise himself from the grave, can take on any appearance he chooses. Turn and look at the people sitting around you. Take a good look. Maybe it's your husband or wife, a son or daughter, or maybe a friend. It might even be a total stranger, but look close. Because the next time you see Jesus, he may choose to look like that person sitting beside you. Or he may be wearing a white robe and sandals, or at least Birkenstocks. But I'll bet there won't be a halo. He might even look like a boy of six who says, Daddy, will they have chocolate chip cookies in heaven? The Jesus that I'll always remember, though, was the one that walked down the aisle and knelt by my side at the altar rail. The one wearing blue jeans and tennis shoes who prayed with me and for me and cried tears of joy when I said yes to God. I this beautiful writing. Thank you, Mike. Really well done. And tears came for you when I read it. That's beautiful that you got the emotion comes back, doesn't it? Yeah, the encounter Jesus. Yeah. So as we, as we take this story, this story of Emmaus, such a cool story, and take it with us this morning, I'm just remembering that in the ordinary days when we're just traveling the road, that Jesus does come in alongside us, and he'll look like all different possibilities, but he's going to speak into your life. And the flip side, just know that as you're walking along the road, you are there to bring Jesus to another person. And that's not some powerful, theological, amazing statement. In fact, um, Pastor Stephen sent me a thing about how people around us are looking to hear from people that know Jesus. These are uh, a survey done of lapsed and non-Christians. So lapsed Christians, those are away from Christ for whatever reason, and non-Christians, saying they favor casual faith conversations. They want to talk. It says that 45% of them have unanswered spiritual questions. There's people around us on a daily basis that are, that are, that are concerned about something. They're, they're wondering. They don't know what to do with it. And they're waiting for Jesus to show up and share it with them in you, however that might look like. And the kind of conversation I'm looking for are casual conversations in one-to-one -one or in small group conversations. 30% of it would prefer that, but only 20% have experienced such a conversation. A third of the people that we encounter are looking for spiritual conversations, but only a fifth of them have actually experienced those. And 40% of the spiritually curious prefer that. It's just like, what would it mean if we viewed
viewed people not as people that were scared to talk to about Jesus, but viewed people as ordinary people that we have the opportunity to ask questions and just see what might happen. What might happen if we asked a question? That's all a conversation is, right? It's questions like Jesus demonstrated the story. What are, you, what are you talking about? What's going on today? What's happening with your day? And answers. I met Jesus on the plane, on my flight, coming. I, I flew up from California yesterday. I live here, but I was coming home. And on one of the flights, I met Jesus in the sky, sitting next to me. And I, I just started chatting with him, and maybe I was Jesus to him as well, I don't know, but, I, but he was such an amazing guy, you know, probably 40-ish, with five children, who for two months lives in California while his family is back in Corpus Christi, then goes home and he's with them for one week, then comes back to California for two months of work, and then goes back to Corpus Christi again for one week. So, and they've done this for three years. I said, your wife is a superwoman. I mean, how did, he says, I know. I know. And, he, and we just talked about, like, how does he keep in touch? I said, what's your secret? Most marriages would fall apart like this. And we had this amazing conversation that just started with questions. It just like, we just started talking. And I asked about faith journey, about his family's connections, and all that. It was just, it was an amazing conversation I had with Jesus on the plane. His name was Michael. And he was, he was wearing blue jeans. I mean, like, and a hat. And so you never know what Jesus is going to look like. But he had so much spiritual connection with Jesus and such a, such a hope in his life and such a joy in his expression. It was a privilege to meet him. I wonder who's out there that you're supposed to meet. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, so much for your word and for Mike's gift of his story and for the beauty of your passage in the scripture and for the calling of us people, Lord Jesus, to share, open up our hearts, open up our lives to the conversations that are the ordinary daily realities of life, of sharing you in the simplicity of sharing ourselves. We thank you and praise you and honor you, mighty God. We offer ourselves to you as your vessels to be witnesses. In your name, amen.